section fifty eight of the inheritance by susan edmonstone ferrier this librivox recording is in the public domain volume two chapter twenty four love there is no spirit under heaven that works with such delusion ben jonson the want of a will is a desideratum which invariably causes disappointment to many an expectant perhaps on the late occasion no one felt more chagrined at the failure of the earls than miss pratt although there was little difference in their ages yet from being of a lighter and more active nature she had always looked upon herself as at least twenty years younger and had all along settled in her own mind that he was to die long before her and from having at first contemplated the possibility of his leaving her a small legacy she had next considered it as highly probable that he would leave her something very handsome and at length all her doubts had resolved themselves into the absolute certainty of his doing something highly to his own credit not to do her justice that she looked to it so much for her own aggrandizement as for something to bequeath to anthony white in his necessities as she declared that in these times anthony found he was pinched enough with his three thousand a year miss pratt could not therefore reconcile herself to this desideratum but spent her days in rummaging the house and expressing her amazement which far from lessening seemed daily to increase that the will for a will there must be should be missing and her nights in dreaming that the will had been found the will she was certain would cast up yet nobody knew poor lord rossville better than she did she might say they had been like brother and sister all their lives and nobody that knew him worthy well-meaning man that he was could ever believe that he would go out of the world and leave things all at sixes and sevens not so much as ten guineas even for a mourning ring to his oldest friends and nearest relations the thing was quite impossible she only wished she had access to his repositories she was sure she would soon bring something to light some bit paper or letter or jotting or something or another just to show what his intentions were and she was sure lady rossville would willingly act up to it whatever it was for he was a just upright friendly liberal well-principled well-meaning kind-hearted man an honourable-minded man with a great deal of strong natural affection a man that had always and upon all occasions shown himself her steady friend and well-wisher etc 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 there was one drawer in particular the right-hand drawer of his writing-table the end next the window she had several times when she had occasion to speak to him in his study found him busy there poor man the very last time she saw him there he was working amongst some papers in that very drawer she wondered if it had been well searched and so on gertrude had no doubt but that due search had been made there as in other places by the constituted authorities and she had too much respect for the late earl's feelings when living to suffer miss pratt to invade his repositories now that he was dead but weary of hearing the same changes rung upon this drawer she one day suddenly resolved to examine it 
and some other of her uncle's private repositories for that purpose she repaired to his apartment and began her scrutiny it was with a feeling of solemnity she displaced the relics of the departed and sought in vain for any indication of his will or intentions nothing of the kind was to be seen for nothing of the kind was in existence only bundles of bills and packets of letters were contained in the drawer which miss pratt had vainly flattered herself held her future fortunes the countess was about to close it when her eye was arrested by one of those packets it was titled correspondence with colonel f delmore private number one can this be the correspondence thought she on which the happiness of my life depends and her colour ebbed and flowed as the contending emotions of hope and fear rushed over her heart and am i justified in thus stealing on the secrets of the dead is it right is it honourable she paused yet my all of happiness is at stake why should i hesitate and with a trembling hand she unfolded the copy of a letter from lord rossville written it seemed on his first discovering the attachment that existed it was very angry and very wordy and the substance of it was calling upon his nephew instantly to resign all pretensions to miss st clair's hand and to authorize him to annul any engagement subsisting between them upon pain of his most serious displeasure gertrude's heart throbbed violently as she turned to the answer to this in the well-known careless elegant hand of her lover he was short expressed the deepest regret at having incurred his uncle's displeasure pleaded the excess of his passion as the only excuse and declared in the most unequivocal terms the utter impossibility there was in his ever complying with his lordship's commands by relinquishing that which was dearer to him than life tears of delight burst from gertrude's eyes as she read this decided avowal of unalterable attachment how could i be so base as ever to doubt ungenerous that i am was her first exclamation and in the exultation of the moment she felt as though worlds could never again for a moment shake her faith but there were more letters to peruse the next in order was another from lord rossville it was in part a repetition of what her uncle had said to herself when he declared his intention of disinheriting her and settling the estates upon mr delmore but his resolutions were still more strongly expressed and fully detailed in the letter and he concluded by an offer of instantly liquidating his nephew's debts and settling ten thousand pounds upon him provided he would come under an engagement never to marry miss st clair this then is the test thought gertrude and with a beating heart she opened another letter in colonel delmore's handwriting and read as follows my dear uncle it was only on my return here late last night that i found your letter and i have passed a sleepless night ruminating on the heart-rending alternative you offer to me were my own interests solely at stake i should not hesitate a single moment but the thought of reducing the adored object of my affections to poverty of being the means of bereaving her of the possessions of her ancestors and depriving her of your favour is so overwhelming that i find myself quite unable to come to any conclusion at present heaven knows how much i could endure for her sake but it is torture to me to think of her sacrificing so much for mine yet to resign her for ever is distraction i repeat it is impossible for me all at once to resolve upon a point on which the happiness of my life is at issue pray allow me a few days to form my resolution and believe it is my most earnest wish to gratify you in all possible ways the regiment is on the point of embarking for gibraltar but i expect brooks to take the command 
and that i shall obtain leave to remain at home for the present you shall hear from me again whenever i can summon resolution to cast the die meantime you will of course suspend all farther proceedings believe me my dear uncle yours with the sincerest esteem and affection f m h delmore p s you may rely upon my secrecy and i agree with you that it is better george should not be made acquainted with what has passed at present here was confirmation strong as proofs of holy writ to the generous confiding heart of the countess yes it was upon her account that he hesitated it was for her happiness that he was tempted to sacrifice his own ah how little did he know her if he deemed that wealth and grandeur could ever stand in competition with his affection that the peculiar treasure of her soul that the pearl of great price the rest was it not all mere earthly dross without that what were rank and fortune to her but to share them to bestow them upon the chosen of her heart was indeed a blissful privilege and the whole tenor of her mind became bright as the first blush of the sun-gilded air impatient to vindicate the honour of her lover she hastened to her mother's apartment she found mrs st clair in the same posture in which she had so frequently observed her since the earl's death seated at a writing-table her head resting on one hand a pen in the other as if meditating how to begin a letter which after all this preparation did not appear yet to have been commenced with cheeks glowing and eyes sparkling with triumph and delight gertrude placed the packet in her hands read these mamma said she in a tone of exultation and if ever you had a doubt surely these must satisfy you mrs st clair took the letters and read them in silence then as she folded up the last she said with a sarcastic smile my doubts are indeed ended i am now confirmed in what i have all along suspected colonel delmore loved you from the first as the heiress of rossville as the countess of rossville i have no doubt he will adore you gertrude was struck dumb her mother went on it is evident to me it would be to any one in their senses that the only struggle here is caused by self-interest he like many other people doubted whether lord rossville really possessed the power of disinheriting you and he therefore prudently evades the question until he has ascertained that point it would have been selling his right indeed for a mess of pottage to have resigned the heiress to twenty thousand a year for a paltry ten thousand pounds and the payment of his tailor's bill but on the other hand it is enough said lady rossville as with a burning cheek and in a tone of wounded feeling she collected the letters and was turning to leave the room no gertrude it is not enough cried her mother pointing to her to be seated sit down and listen to me at least with calmness if not with respect i will not be interrupted i will be heard her daughter seated herself in silence but evidently struggling with her feelings i cannot see you as i do the dupe of an artful unprincipled man without making an effort to open your eyes to the dangers of your situation yet i own i almost despair when i behold you thus wilfully closing them against the light which would carry conviction to any mind that was not the slave of its own delusions yes i repeated it is clear as noonday that it is solely as the heiress of rossville you are the object of colonel delmore's attachment he hesitate about reducing the adored object of his affections to poverty he distracted at the thoughts of bereaving her of the possessions of her ancestors stuff who that knows anything of the character of the man would for an instant believe that he would hesitate about sacrificing the whole world were it to promote 
his own interest gertrude i would not unnecessarily pain you but i consider it my duty to save you from the snares i see set for you why should you distrust me what interest can i have in deceiving you my child i know not i cannot tell said the countess with a sigh if i am distrustful she stopped but mrs st clair felt the reproach implied in her look and accent tis i who have made you so you would say yet you can distrust me your guide your companion your friend your mother mrs st clair's voice here faltered with emotion although you cannot even doubt the faith of one who but a few months since was an utter stranger to you but in those few months what have i not learnt said lady rossville in much agitation enough to make me sometimes doubt the evidence of my own senses certainly enough to teach me to distrust even my own mother mrs st clair's face crimsoned beware how you provoke me gertrude cried she with much vehemence i will endure no taunts or reproaches from you for with one word i could lay all your romantic dreams in the dust although as countess of rossville you may wish to forget what is due to me as your mother i will not relinquish my claims to you as my daughter i will be obeyed continued she with increasing violence and i command you from henceforth to think of that man no more then you command me to do what is impossible said the countess giving way to tears oh mamma why will you force me to this alternative why must i be accounted rebellious undutiful because i cannot see as you see and think as you think i call heaven to witness i would ever render to you the respect the reverence of a child but i cannot no i cannot yield you the submission of a slave and where is the child who owes to a parent what you owe to me demanded mrs st clair warmly where is the child possessed of such an inheritance of rank of power of riches of beauty of talents and where is the mother who would not feel as i do at seeing them all sacrificed to the cupidity of an artful unprincipled man and is it because i possess all these advantages that i am to be denied the privilege of the poorest and humblest asked lady rossville her voice faltering with emotion of what value to me are all those gifts if i may not share them with those i love ah how much rather would i forego them all then not indulge your own weak wayward childish fancy cried her mother with indignation this is not to be borne how shall i tear that bandage from your eyes if you doubt me will you credit the testimony of your friend your counsellor your platonic admirer mr lindsay i respect and esteem mr lindsay said the countess but i will not adopt his prejudices will you believe the voice of the world then i already know all that the world can say it will tell me he is thoughtless extravagant imprudent erring it may be in many things but all that he has told me himself such he once was till till he loved mrs st clair groaned then whose testimony will you admit since you reject mine you reject mr lindsay's you re reject that of the whole world i will receive none said lady rossville mildly but firmly erring perhaps faulty he may have been but to doubt that he loves me there i will receive no one's testimony but his own then you are lost exclaimed mrs st clair in violent agitation but it must not shall not be you dare not marry without my consent without the consent of she stopped i tell you if i am to be ruled by any authority it must be solely by my mother's said gertrude proudly no other being has or ever can have the right to control me in this point once before i promised that i would form no engagement without your consent until i had attained the age of twenty-one i am now willing to repeat it but in the meantime my preference must be left free and now mamma let us end this strife it may be my misfortune to differ from you 
do not oh do not let that difference divide us i will be always yours in affection if not in sentiment and she would have embraced her but her mother repelled her such a compromise is a mere mockery said she with bitterness but i too am sick of altercation such as it is then for the present your promise must suffice let me trust in heaven that your delusion may be dispelled ere it be too late if it is a delusion i too join in the prayer said the countess but more in the tone of lofty assurance than of lowly supplication this contest with her mother only served to strengthen gertrude as violence invariably does in her own opinions there was something too in the very suspense calculated to give a play to her imagination and fascinate the youthful heart far more than any sober certainty of waking bliss could have done she would have shrunk from acknowledging even to herself that she harboured a doubt but how many a stranger feeling mingles unknown to ourselves with the home-born sentiments of our hearts End of section fifty eight